Hey folks, Joseph Noop here. As you know, I tend to start off uh, episodes of the 1099 by wishing you all are well and safe and healthy. And of course, over the last couple weeks, that goes uh, doubly, triply. So uh, it is a tough time for all of us out there uh, with the protests against police brutality and uh, racial injustice uh, going on in cities across the country, including here on the West Coast and uh, especially in Minneapolis, a city uh, very near and dear to my heart. I lived there for a short time while I was interning at Game Informer and uh, want to make sure that you guys know uh, we here at 1099 have you in our hearts and our minds and we're still wishing you the best. And I have included a number of links down in the uh, episode description, uh, uh, particularly on the SoundCloud page, to uh, organizations and charities that you can donate to if you're looking for places to support uh, if you cannot offer your support elsewhere during these times. So make sure to check those out. Lend whatever you can. Uh, lend your energy. Lend your voice. It's important that you know after the initial uh, climax of this couple of weeks here that we don't let up uh, because you know I can promise you that the problems that plague us uh, when it comes to police uh, injustice is is something that will continue to uh, pervade our society uh, unless we really stand up and uh, fight back against it. So check out those links. I would greatly appreciate it if you guys offered that support uh, or lend your uh, voice and platforms to uh, people of color, black and brown writers and creators and game devs in this world. It's very important and I'm trying to do my best here in the next couple weeks to make sure that we are featuring voices who uh, come from those kinds of communities to make sure that their voices and their experiences are heard and valued. So, And one other final note before we jump into the episode here. We are talking this week to Rafal Bricks, the designer, artist, programmer, and writer, basically the lead developer on Yes Your Grace, the really fun kind of medieval uh, kingdom simulator that uh, has you uh, listening to your uh, subjects' whims and, and desires uh, from your throne room and making decisions and trying to balance that with your family life and uh, the needs of the kingdom. Very fun blend of like strategy and narrative adventure. Uh, we had a minor audio issue uh, starting maybe a few minutes after we actually started talking. It seems like the, the recording program I use kind of cut off in the first few minutes, so you're going to be jumping into the conversation uh, a few minutes after introductions have already been made. So I apologize about that. We'll make sure to try and make sure that that does not happen again. And I appreciate your understanding with that. So yeah, it was a great conversation learning a lot about uh, how strategy design and narrative adventure design can kind of blend together to create this really fun, awesome game. I really enjoyed playing it. You should too. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy. Thank you so much. to kind of um, experience it a little bit more but also it was kind of like a business decision because our savings would basically last a little bit longer in Poland at least in theory <laughs> no yeah I, I totally get that as someone who's about to move in with their own partner um, after being long distance for two years uh, I, I it's weird how money uh, impacts a relationship because 
like both of us want to stay in a certain place for the opportunities that might present us but like mm-hmm. there's also the 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 looming reality that like hey if neither of us like hit that jackpot you know like where where could we still live together in a more uh, affordable place i i totally yeah. understand that what is um so you, you mentioned too that like this is uh your first co- personal commercial projects mm-hmm. and i am and obviously that had to involve a lot of like on the fly learning uh we, we joked around a little bit before the recording that you got like four titles on this job and i <laughs> i imagine that obviously uh stems from the fact that you know it's small team a lot of responsibilities to tackle in making any game uh what were like some of the things while making yes your grace that like you had to really learn from scratch like did you did you know like zero programming and you had to learn that or did you like know zero uh uh game narrative writing and have to uh work on that like what what was the zero to 60 uh in that respect yeah yeah so definitely programming and writing those two i basically had to learn from scratch um art and design um with art, I kind of always went into this direction. So I did art in college and university, um, although it was never pixel art. That was kind of, I had to learn everything from scratch in that regard because pixel art is kind of this, it looks easy um, until you do it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, so I, when uh, I was. I recently started doing voxel art just as a, oh, yeah. a hobby, uh, and I, right. I literally just finished my first, like, actual. Uh, meaningful project mm-hmm. I totally understand like oh my god it is so much harder than it looks yeah yeah uh, definitely yeah I was actually uh, doubling a little bit in, in the voxel uh, as well because uh, yeah I just thought oh yeah it's it's pixel art but in 3d it, it must not be that much more complicated but it actually is so yeah <laughs> uh, just requires you to you know like think completely different because you know all of a sudden you have like three dimensions to care about and things like this uh, so I totally get that yeah um yeah with with designing uh, was kind of uh, similar to for me with with art because uh, also did uh, basically I did game design course at university so you know a game design course probably makes you think like oh okay so he knows everything about design or something but i found that the name that course of the name was kind of um a little bit of a lie <laughs> Uh, it yeah. was more focused on on art actually rather than design and we didn't do much design until like very last year or something so it was uh, it, it wasn't what I, I i thought when i was joining the course if that makes sense um yeah so that kind of covers the two art and design i kind of had uh, some um you know um education in, in that regard but mm-hmm. uh, writing is is something I just had to kind of learn to do over time, and programming it was probably the biggest challenge because it's 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 still creative. It's like creative solving, uh, creatively solving problems, but it, it's totally kind of different mindset when it comes to programming when uh, versus you know writing and art and design, uh, at least in my eyes, I guess. I think that's that's all why I um ever since I started working in games media there mm-hmm. I, I've had a soft spot for college students and college programs and 
figuring out like well okay what 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 does the current state of like game design colleges look like you know here in the u.s and maybe in the uk and whatnot Mm -hmm. and it is tricky i've 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 been in kind of a similar situation where like an advisor or something like just maybe wasn't giving me all the attention i needed and like i got put in more uh video production classes when instead i really wanted to do like writing uh stuff and yeah. that kind of like it felt like a little bit of a waste of time and that is the tricky thing with so many college programs right is that uh you often don't know what you're getting into until you're like really deep into it and you think like yeah. oh, shoot like i already spent a year or two three four here uh and i think that that's I think the best schools really begin students by learning those fundamentals about actual game design and then like allow students to filter off into specializations depending on, you know, what they yeah. want to do or what their skills are. Yeah. It's it's tough out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, some, some courses are definitely like more broader than others and some are more specialized. But I, yeah, I guess you often don't know what you get into because um, I think it kind of, uh, depends a lot on your kind of lecturers and who you get to work with, um, study with, I guess. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's probably a factor as well. And obviously, at the end of it all, you end up with just like a huge, um, you know, credit loan or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> that's another thing to consider, I guess. Um, you uh, you mentioned writing too. Uh, the the funny thing about writing, and I, I I say this as a writer, not a game writer, but certainly someone who's had to uh, work on really really big writing projects, mm-hmm. uh, is that no matter where I am in my career as a writer, I still feel like a like a, a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still feel like oh god, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, I gotta imagine like diving into game writing and trying to create like a compelling you know, reason for people to engage with this, you know, uh, gold and, and wheat supply, uh, mm-hmm. management sim is uh, a bit of an interesting challenge jumping into that in the deep ends, uh, when you haven't really, uh, cracked your teeth on that too much. What, what was that like? Uh, it was, I don't know, difficult. <laughs> it was, yeah. I had no idea what I was doing, uh, for majority of, of making the game. Like that goes for all aspects of, of, game development i think mm-hmm. um but with time i just kind of learned kind of what works what doesn't or at least more or less and i was able to um more kind of focus in each direction and i with time i kind of knew more and more what i want to what it needs to be what i want it to be um so with writing like i didn't have any um like education in that regard uh it, it was it was all kind of like self-taught in the sense of just reading about it, like, you know, articles, how you should approach it or um, YouTube videos and tutorials. Like it may, might sound silly or something, might sound silly, um, you know, to, to learn about writing from YouTube videos. But that was definitely the case for me. And I've learned a lot. There's this really like great channels that um, kind of break it down for you. And then you can kind of start to understand it more. Um, like how you can even have like approach storytelling or dialogue writing and, and things like this just like uh video channels that like run through the basics right yeah 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 um i i i'm starting to learn a little bit of uh, uh the, the, the the voxel art stuff that i am learning is a mm-hmm. lot through youtube tutorials too and it, it is interesting to see like the art of 
video tutorials is it is its own beast right oh, yeah. um uh you get some people who are really good at it and some people who like are just very very they they assume way too much on the part of the person watching mm -hmm. uh sometimes and sometimes they assume too little like sometimes you're like ah oh, come on i already know how to like open a file or whatever <laughs> but uh uh that that is interesting too that to learn through a little bit of that osmosis as you go um, yeah it's it, it feels a lot like that classical indie develop indie developer story that uh, uh really learning as you go yeah let's talk a little bit about uh the design of yes your grace because i think mm -hmm. it is it is one of those games where if i described any one part of it alone like divorced from everything else i don't know if it would sound so appealing but it is that like whole package of Hey, you're sitting in your throne room, uh, listening to every you know peasant and lord uh, ask for favors and whatnot, and doling out supplies that way. And then you're also talking to your family. You're also like possibly marrying off a daughter. Or you're <laughs> dealing with an incoming attack. It's all these little systems that kind of come together in a way that I think makes Yes, Your Grace uh, a fairly compelling game. You, so you must like. Uh, some other management sims stuff like crusader kings which is another game like really famous for mm -hmm. uh gamifying that like uh kingly lineage and how do you how do you establish a uh, a monarchy through stuff like that or europa universalis what kinds of games did you grow up playing that may have had like design influences on uh your work down the road mm -hmm. yeah so i might surprise you a little bit because I'm not really a, a big a fan of uh, Crusader Kings and okay. things like this. Mostly, mostly not because I don't like them. I, I really do, actually. It's just they're, they're like so time-consuming and you need to invest so much time mm -hmm. to be able to play them. And I always liked the idea of these games. I always wanted to try them and I probably installed them like a bazillion times. Uh, you know... With with willingness to play them, it's just it's it's uh, it sits on my computer installed, ready to be to be played. But I just never have like you know um, uh, the courage to to launch it and actually play it. If that makes I, sense. I feel like I'm talking to the uh, to a clone of myself because I'm the exact <laughs> same way. I I've got like a couple of Total Wars installed yeah. on my computer. I've got uh, I tried uh, Steel was it what's the world war there's a world war ii management game hearts of steel or something like yeah, that yeah. Uh, uh, and i am i i love <laughs> i love like tabletop stuff and i used to play a little bit mm -hmm. of like tabletop warhammer with friends and whatnot yeah, same, same uh, actually, and i yeah. love the i love the concept of that but i'm so bad at it i'm so bad <laughs> at it and it's it really is like a big investment to become good at something even like civ like I I really I almost had like a heart to heart with one of my bosses about like I feel like I'm really bad at Civ and he was like he was the PC gamer uh, editor so it's like I I'm coming clean about being bad about one of the uh, the most like defining you know PC mm -hmm. strategy mm -hmm. games out there uh, that that's interesting to hear that like so that probably translates you didn't really gel too well with those like super granular management games like crusader kings or imperial yeah. rome or whatever and that's probably what correct me if i'm wrong i guess that's where like kind of the drive for having a more narrative focus oh, yes. uh comes in right yeah yeah definitely i because when it comes to like crusader kings i i really like the idea of it and what it represents and what could be um it's just 
it's so time investing. I, I know I will never probably have, you know, the willingness and time and actually, like I said, courage to, to play them. So I, I just like really like the idea of getting something like this, like getting into this experience, but without so much uh, kind of hard work from my, uh, myself, if that makes sense. So if, if I have like a, if I could have just like um, uh, a little bit of that, um, but with a meaningful kind of uh, story, I guess, then then that would be great. And I guess that's what kind of um, led into ESR Grace. Um, yeah. It, it's funny to think like so so many of those strategy games mm-hmm. and even stuff like like certain battle royale games, they're they're good at creating like a. You know, even though I, I'm probably going to lose, or I'm gonna, you know, get uh, beaten by some opposing force uh, or another mm-hmm. player, they're good at creating that like, oh, history happened to me kind of feeling of like, well, I I didn't like make it through that, but like I was part of that like adventure and that history, uh, and I played a little role in that, and I think that tickles a very different part of the brain from more strictly narrative focused stuff like yes your grace or just more straight up narrative adventure games uh where like i i I, sure i like being able to have a little bit of a of a role to play but i kind of want Mm -hmm. this story to happen to me rather than me playing a very very small probably disposable role in a in a world Mm -hmm. yeah what did you uh what, what did you think of the have you ever played the reigns games which for i suppose folks who don't know is kind of that um similarly medieval you're playing a, a member of the aristocracy and you're kind of tinder swiping through requests and and your subjects uh and and determining what your kingdom looks like by basically playing a game of tinder uh do you ever play those yeah yeah yeah. i've played brains so actually uh, i know them well because i actually at some point uh, in development of your grace i got really kind of not mad about it, but like, you know, part of me kind of thought when, when Reigns came out, part of me thought like there's no more point of finishing this right. race because that's basically kind of what Reigns is doing already. Um, but, but um, you know, in a more kind of like simpler way. So I, I really like the simplicity of, of it. Um, you know, you get this gist of being a king and ruling something and having some kind of impact somewhere. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, and I really like how they managed to uh, get Game of Thrones uh, license as well. Like, that is something, you know, maybe one day I would like as well. But, you know, obviously, um, it's, it's a different kind of uh, conversation, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, so, I, I really like them, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I guess... I, I could totally understand that, like, seeing something similar to that, like, that happens all the time in games. Media yeah, yeah. People have similar ideas for, like, oh, let's write a, a Tony Hawk 20th anniversary story. And uh, someone, you know, takes a different angle or you're like, oh, how dare you get there before yeah. me? But uh, I, I the, the one thing I can't say about Reigns is, like, I, I played Yes, Your Grace for, like, four hours straight. I don't think I could play <laughs> Reigns for four hours straight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's, that's really it's not that, I'm, I'm not that, not this, that kind but, of game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so talking a little bit it's, about like the overall um, the history of the development of Yester Grace, I am curious like where where did that original 
idea for because it is this kind of crazy mishmash was it was it something where like you started with one little nugget of an idea that eventually like feature creeped its way into uh the the broader picture or did you have like a really clear picture early on uh for what kind of uh game and story you wanted to build so i think the basically the core idea was like developed like kind of it, it was the, the queue uh, was like the main thing that that kind of came to me and the queue the way of that, peasants and yeah that, that was coming the, through your kingdom yeah mm-hmm. yeah that was the main kind of uh drive at the beginning i guess and the way we, we kind of it came to me as i say uh, i guess is 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 basically we've been uh, watching with my partner uh, we've been watching game of thrones we just got to watching uh, you know everyone was uh, already talking about it for like a couple of years and we just started watching it um and uh, there was a scene i i remember when i think bran his name was um mm. he was basically sitting at he at his uh, you know not a throne but he like Canceling table or something, and he was like uh, basically talking to a queue of peasants, <laughs> yeah. Um, and at around the same that that time, uh, Papers Police came out as well. And you know, when I saw this scene in Game of Thrones, I kind of immediately kind of uh, joined the two together. Like you could make this into a game, and I guess that's how it all kind of started. <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 taking it's so funny how two ideas often become one in a game, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or how taking two inspirations and saying like, you, you see it a lot in games media too, where we're, we struggle to illustrate like, okay, what in in one paragraph, what is this game, you know? And it's, it's sometimes easy to fall back on like, well, it's like Gears of War meets Uncharted or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, so you fall back on those, like describing a game as another game trick, but it's fun when, you take something from a, a completely different, you know, form of medium, uh, form of art and mm-hmm. translate it into one singular idea. So one of the things I always wonder about in narrative focus games a lot is, uh, I, I just recently had a talk with, uh, the cloud punk, uh, narrative designer, um, Thomas Welsh, a wonderful guy, wonderful mm-hmm. game, very like story heavy focus, with like a couple of fork in the road uh, moments where like, hey, do you deliver this package or do you like throw it in the trash or do you uh, help this person or do you not help this person? And one of the things that fascinates me a lot about uh, like management games and and narrative games like Yes, Your Grace is that that rush of serotonin or whatever other like negative uh, feeling you might get when the, the consequences of your choice become clear. And uh, I, I always wonder, how, how do game developers try to design these, like, will you or won't you help choices feel meaningful for a player uh, when they reach that conclusion? Some games do it way better than others, but what do you think is key to eliciting, like, a genuine earned reaction mm-hmm. from a player when you're building some of these, like, fork-in-the-road moments? So for me, and I guess that's what I try to do in Easter Grace, is um, I think it's all about like the um, emotional attachment to the character and what you're about to kind of decide upon. Um, so in 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 theory, that's that's uh, if you have this emotional uh, attachment somehow to to the character, um, 
then the decision obviously becomes much more impactful and um, kind of that's why we I wanted to incorporate this this resource management in your grace as well because I always like this idea of okay you have a family um, you know but you want to you want to, to be good to them and you know make all the best possible decisions for them but you also have this resource management which kind of pulls you back and kind of uh, grounds you more than like reality like hang on I can't really you know um, give out the gold left and right because mm -hmm. uh, you know I will lose the kingdom so um, and how we we tried to um, create this emotional attachment between the player and the characters is that the King Eric, uh, the main character of Yes Your Grace, uh, we, we tried to show his connection with other in-game characters. So even if it's like through little choices of uh, picking a nickname for your daughter, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, it. Kind of shows you the re relationship between um, the main character of the game between his daughter, but also because you can pick the decision, it kind of it, it creates a, a bigger connection for you as well. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I really love about that core loop of the game is that very often you're not just trying to think about you're you're trying to balance the the overall need of your kingdom and like all these, you know, poor pitiful peasants who like they don't they they deserve better and your family who like you love and they're good people really like all of, none of them are are uh any more selfish than like your average, you know, teenage girl mm -hmm. or something. Uh, but I, I liked, you know, playing sword fights with uh, the middle daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, I liked having those kind of uh, castle wall conversations with the older daughter. And I liked seeing like what crazy crap the younger daughter uh, would get into, like what's her latest pet or whatever. Uh, <laughs> to me, is this, so one of the like key moments so far, at least in the game that really illustrates uh, why that emotional attachment to an, to a character factors into that more basic resource management is like so uh, er, relatively early in the game you get to a wedding ceremony and you as the king get to help your wife pick out what uh, wedding dress your daughter is going to wear as she weds yeah. uh, this son of a neighboring king and you're presented three options like one that's like dirt poor uh it's like gray or like i think it's your wife's old dress that's like stained yeah, and yeah. everything and then there's like a middle of the road dress for like 25 gold which is like a, a pretty decent chunk of change but like not gonna break anything mm -hmm. and it's like uh then there's the fancy puffy dress that's like 50 gold which is like so much money <laughs> uh and my thought was like uh, you know that middle dress looks really nice that you know it, it looks uh, subtle and 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 still pretty uh and 25 gold yeah sure let's let's go for it but my wife kept insisting that mm -hmm. like hey no yeah go with that 51 like my daughter will look like the absolute best uh and no amount of money is too much like in fact i've already taken a loan out from the bank <laughs> or something and to me that was just like as someone who has been in a relationship for a little while, I'm sorry, Aiden, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, like, I, I'm way stingier about money. That's, it, it's a negative trait. Like, it, believe me, it's a thing that I've talked to my therapist about. But uh, that really hit home because I'm like, okay, I see your point, but also 
that's so ridiculous 50 coins for this like ridiculous puffy dress she's gonna wear one night and then of course later like that night she's like this dress is ridiculous like and so it's like oh i i was just like appeasing the wife just to get her off my back kind of feeling Mm uh that to me uh it's clear that that family dynamic was important to you while designing that game uh, were there any other ideas that you had like floating about r- related to that while you and uh, fellow developer, I might butcher this name, uh, Alina Sebula, uh, um, worked to write the story? Um, yeah, what does that you mean ex- exactly? Uh, by f- other ideas floating around, like you mean what did we manage to not include in the game or include in the game? Or well, I guess just other, um, without, of course, without spoiling uh, mm-hmm. other things in the game. Just like you talk, talk to me a little bit more about like how important that family dynamic was for uh, striking um, that that mix of of like, hey, yeah, this is a, a resource management game, but also mm-hmm. you have way more of a personal investment. Like, did you? I guess did you notice players? Uh, as they've gotten to play the game uh, more and more, like have players been saying like, yeah, I felt like pretty actually conflicted about whether or not I should marry off my daughter for, you know, resources kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the family was like, it, it, it was always there for kind of like generic story purposes. Um, mm-hmm. But as, as uh, I've managed to create like a more cohesive demo of the game, um at that stage i kind of focused more on like uh, just the queue and generally resource managing uh, resource management um and then i think it was like our first uh, round of play tests that people were kind of more intrigued about this the family part and they were like uh, saying like i wish there was more to go on with the family and mm. at that this was the kind of um stage where we realized that this is actually a very cool um you know um kind of point of view and 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 that would be a cool to to pursue this further to create this um <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm 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 losing my train of thought here um Not you know, totally to, understood. yeah so um so basically, it, it just came through like the the, the first rounds of playtests that we kind of understood that the, the the family is more important and it's it's very cool and it's something that uh, interests players more actually. Mm-hmm. I, it's worth asking uh, because the story is so uh, uh, the, the, that family dynamic. You know, King Eric is literally the only male and. Uh, mm-hmm. You have uh, uh, four women in this family. It's it's a very fun dynamic minor spoiler like there is uh one or two funny moments where king eric uh literally passes out uh because he's just so overwhelmed by like all the all the like incoming responsibilities Mm -hmm. uh that are kind of exacerbated by some of the family or uh, family stress he's going under uh are you are you a a like lone male in a uh very female household or uh uh, no brothers or sisters or what not 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 really. Uh, I've I've got a brother, so we, we've never like my family was was always quite small. So it was just me, my brother, and uh, actually uh, my mom. Uh, so that was it, really. So I guess there's like no correlation here. I I'm not sure why this particular scenario in the game came came around, but um, 
but but I kind of like the idea of uh, obviously it's medieval times, so uh, mm. you know as a king you need to have a throne successor. So uh, I guess the player can already imagine that the, if you don't have like any sons, uh, you know who is going to take care of uh, over your kingdom essentially. And I always thought like this is um, a, a cool story, um, like a, a cool story a moment that can happen and. Like and then this great uh, can create uh, this this uh, kind of difficult decision where uh, what are you willing to do to, to to kind of to have a throne successor and if you are willing to to push you know your luck and perhaps uh, willing to 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 kind of sacrifice some other family members in order to kind of in some way you know uh, get a throne successor or basically explore this. Um, this, this scenario. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's easily one of the strongest uh, areas of focus of the game is like, mm -hmm. not only, it's funny, you, you eventually accrue, you know, gold and like food supplies, but then you also have a general, a hunter, a witch, mm -hmm. these, these sorts of uh, uh, support units that you can send out and like it, it you know, you sacrifice time for some sort of outcome. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you, you extend that to the family, which is, you know, frankly, like realistic. Yes, that is a thing. Like women were married off all the time for mm -hmm. political connections and uh, gamifying that uh, must have been an interesting challenge, right? Oh, yeah. Um, it, we were, it was very kind of difficult and, and we were always stressed about these kind of things. Like how would players uh, perceive this and, and everything, um, but I thought it, we we kind of it creates an interesting uh, place for decision making, but we also kind of tried to make sure that it's not uh, taken lightly. If you were to kind of like take a decision that maybe is not uh, morally correct i guess um you know that other characters would kind of um let you know how they feel about this and perhaps you know in in some scenarios um kind of hopefully get the player to reflect um on some choices as well in that in that regard yeah no i uh i i, I that is definitely what so after the the first daughter getting married off is kind mm -hmm. of a it, it, it's part of the story so it, it's going to happen but uh yeah. uh when there's a moment where you're presented with like well, maybe you can marry off that second daughter yeah. uh at, for a political connection that like at that moment in the game without spoiling it is like really really mm -hmm. valuable and like could you know make yeah, or so break whatever the next stage is and i yeah. i felt genuinely uh, like I, I, I'm not going to give up my daughter. Like I, I like her too much uh, as yeah. a character, uh, and I'm so, so connected to her now. So yeah, sorry, you were going to say. Sorry. So, so that, that that's kind of where uh, resource management is kind of meant to come to place. Um, because on one hand, obviously you don't want to give out, uh, give your daughter to someone, but at the same time, you know, you could really use those resources. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that's kind of like uh, kind of trying to put the player in, in into like really tough situation to see, okay. I'm not really okay with doing this, but you know it's medieval times. I don't know, so maybe um, I would maybe consider it. We'll see how it goes, kind of type of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's that's where the kind of resource management is meant to kind of um, 
join together with a story to kind of uh, create a bigger impact on your decision. Yeah, I, I think my like forcing your hand, there's a lot of like force your hand kind of moments in the game. And so like mm-hmm. I start every game like this uh, thinking like, oh, I'm never going to talk to that banker who like offers me a loan. Uh, like I, I, I will, I will do the correct path, the perfect run path on my first try. And lo and behold, I've, I've had to take maybe two or three loans out so far, just cause like, I know, like if I don't have the money, like my kingdom is going to suffer for it. And like, then no one's going to like me and da da da. Like I would rather have to pay yeah. off that money than have to work my way back up with no money. So so yeah. talking, tell, before we dive into another section, I guess it's worth mentioning, like there's a very uh, Slavic um, kind of folklore influence over this story. Uh, are, are you yourself Slavic? And is that is that a thing that you oh, yeah. were very, yeah. uh, you, you very deliberately wanted to implement in there, that kind of very specific brand oh, yeah. of medieval uh, culture? Uh, yeah, so uh, like I mentioned, I'm originally from Poland and Poland is the Slavic country. So uh, that's kind of, you know, I've been always kind of like nostalgic to to this type of um, this type of theme and everything, and also obviously with uh, the Witcher series, uh, you know, growing big and everything. I thought this this would be really cool to explore, uh, not only for me personally, but also it shows because of the Witcher that you know this this is kind of a viable, um, I guess, a selling point as well. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's one of those things where like. You think about how many genres and how many how many stories have been set in like just classical fantasy, but how much of that like ext- yeah. extends from Slavic culture to uh, how much of like the classical fantasy tropes uh, probably originated from those uh, European uh, mm-hmm. uh, cultures and traditions. So tell me a little bit about uh, as we begin to wrap up the last like 15 to 20 minutes here, I would love to hear about uh, financially, the game ended up being a considerable success from everything I've seen. Uh, GameDaily.biz ran an interview with uh, publisher No More Robots' Mike Rose, uh, stating the game made something like 600,000 in its opening, 600,000 US dollars, I guess, in its opening weekend. Mm uh how how does that feel uh for you guys it's it's there's just so many indie games that don't get their due that seeing something like this on paper and 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 getting that much back uh Mm -hmm. how how does that feel for you guys after five years of working on i mean it's it's definitely it's been like great you know we, we didn't anticipate like um this kind of success uh, obviously i think like every indie developer is kind of like hoping for this kind of thing uh, but we, we didn't like you know it's it's we, we didn't anticipate it in such a big um way i guess um but you know um at the end it, it's also it's not like us maybe hmm, i don't know how to put this to bear. um yeah, so it's at the same time it's great and everything, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, this zoom might be a little bit uh, bloated, let's say, and the realistically what you're getting at the end right. uh, might be just a small fraction of this, right. if that makes sense. Um, so, because this this I believe was just like a gross uh, zoom, you know, but you know if you start taking away um, things like chargebacks, reference, yeah, uh, publishers, just what yeah. Steam, yeah. Steam takes Steam a put as well into this uh, everything, so it kind of chips away very, uh, you know, 
very quickly. Does um, <laughs> but, uh, nonetheless, it's it's still you know uh, a, a very kind of meaningful, uh, successful studio of our size. Still, right. yeah. I know that um, in in the world of indie game development, sometimes the hardest uh, stage of that career is well, what do you do next after you had your first mm -hmm. uh, success, right, or or even a modest success. So has has this success and like has what you've learned so far like opened any meaningful doors for uh, Brave at Night and for you as a developer? Well, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> no. I guess we'll find out that, yeah. but uh, it definitely you know the the, the kind of um, game being successful means we can now carry on making games, which is what what was always the, the you know the goal and always you know the main aim and kind of. Uh, at least my dream uh you know to be able to to make more games so that's totally achievable now and we might actually be able to uh, grow a little bit uh, hire some help so that you know we have a little bit less work to do and that we can focus on other bits more so you know because with me doing like every single bit of uh, <laughs> game development you know it's very overwhelming and you know each part might not be as good as I want it to be. So with us being able to hire some additional help, you know, I have now more time to focus on art, for example, or, you know, writing and things like this. Yeah, you can have uh, Rafal Bricks uh, one job title instead of four on that, <laughs> on that website, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, it was funny, I, I emailed, um, uh, I think it was Alina talked to me mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I, I'm glad to talk to anyone who has a, some sort of leadership role uh, mm -hmm. on the game, uh, you know, for this interview. And, and I, I ended up looking at like, oh, the, the about section of, of Brave at Night. And I was like, oh, there's like four or five job titles here. <laughs> okay. That's clearly no wonder I'm talking to Rafal. Uh, mm -hmm. So on, so on sort of a similar topic, um, I saw a lot of photos of you guys doing the like typical convention booth previews, letting folks play the games, you know, I'm sure a, a short demo uh, slice of it. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, I had uh, the one of the directors of Ludo Naricon, which is a, a digital mm -hmm. convention on held on Steam, focused on narrative adventure yeah. games. And I think yesterday's was they might have been part of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've been part of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that like sticks out a lot talking to those guys is that typical convention booth previews are tough to pull off for narrative games because it's way mm -hmm. more about you know the journey and it's hard to get a hot sizzle reel for a game like that so what is your experience showing the game off before it released to the public and did those events uh, did those events like teach you anything into uh uh how to show the game off um it's it's very tricky because i feel like we've been um we've we've had it uh, a bit easier <laughs> because obviously we have a we had a publisher no more robots uh they they helped us a lot with 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 that aspect of game development as well like they helped us take the game to the expo and for us we've never actually shown any game like this on the expo and stuff like this so that was like very very cool moment for us to see people play it but at the same time we didn't have um that much kind of burden on us to to to, to kind of showcase the game because publisher we kind of like let them do this because you know i don't know we, we don't um 
necessarily uh, we're not very good and experienced with these things so we kind of stood on the side kind of seeing how things go mm-hmm. and kind of observing I, I guess so they did an amazing job kind of showcasing the game for us um, but yeah we came with like a one hour long demo and to our like surprise there were quite a lot of people who stood there uh, you know at the booth playing the demo for one hour oh wow <laughs> so that was that was like really cool to see and th- th- this definitely like kind of helped us um, boost morale i guess and you know uh yeah so but would if we blend anything i'm i'm not really sure like i guess like i'm i'm saying the game because of the the um management side of it was kind of easier to pick up for people and we kind of also uh, beginning of Easter Grace, like b- b- because we showed the first hour, one hour of the game. So Easter Grace starts kind of. We, we try to try to make it um, very fast, like for you to get into actually playing the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you don't have like a long intro with setting up setting up the backstory or something. You know, we we kind of you start the game and within like ten seconds, you know, you're already like uh, doing things uh, and making decisions. And you know, seeing uh, you know, kind of uh, epic, you know, uh, battle scenes and things like this. So, I feel like with with this, we we've kind of managed to grab people's attention a little bit more. Uh, yeah, it's a very uh, it's a very good in media res beginning. Uh, seeing like, oh wow, there's an army at my doorstep, and then like, mm-hmm. oh, t- twenty weeks before that, like, you man- manage your way to that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wrapping up a little bit here, I, I guess we can mm-hmm. close on, you know, what do you think the 1099 is, is tries to be a show about a lot of the lessons game developers and, and people in the games industry learn yeah. from the projects that they make. And I suppose, what do you think were the most meaningful lessons you took away from making Yes, Your Grace? And if you had to, if you had to like impart any of that onto other indie game developers, uh, what would you tell them? I think um, it's a little bit maybe cliche, but like, don't give up. Um, and maybe the other way to put this is just kind of be persistent, because I feel like that was the key for me at least. Um, being persistent with, you know, trying to get to the goal, trying to learn new things, and not giving up when uh, maybe other people like didn't necessarily support you, and then maybe said, you know. This is a bit silly, you know. Realistically, you're not gonna make any money on on, on some game, you know. <laughs> but um, it's kind of like sticking to your guns, I guess, um, and just kind of going forward. Yeah, there there is something to be said for if you have an idea and you believe in it enough, like see it through. Don't like doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's gonna be perfect, and if anything, it's probably not going to be. But because you believed in it, it's going to come across yeah, so much but... better than if you let others talk you down right yeah of course and also um it's no damn i lost it (laughs) (laughs) that's Um, okay i was i was about to say something very very uh meaningful and special but now i lost it sorry (laughs) Uh, that's okay uh well you know what that that is a-okay by me i i think this has been a perfectly (laughs) meaningful conversation and i always appreciate developers like you uh you know coming onto the show and giving us a little window into the game development process Mm -hmm. uh the the 1099 i started out focusing a lot on 
game media people and and talking about their journeys but i've shifted focus a little bit into you know more game developers because i think that uh, there are so many lessons in the background that um, you know don't get talked about enough, and I, I am very eager to see what Brave at Night uh, creates in the future and uh, how else you're going to make me sweat some future decisions. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, yes, your grace is out now on Steam, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rafal, it is also coming to uh, consoles in the near future, yes, right? Yes, very very soon yes <laughs> do you have a date or is that not set yet i'm not set okay. yet but we, we we do have something internally but i uh, it's not yet officially announced sure. so i can't say okay well yeah folks you can find the game on pc on steam or you can wait for it on consoles release and uh where can folks find uh brave at nights and yourself uh on social media if they want to follow your work um, with all? yeah so it's just braveatnight.co.uk, and on Twitter it's just uh, I believe it's at uh, braveatnight as well. Yeah, at braveatnight, <laughs> and that's our main company account. So if you want to like follow up on see or see what we else we can, we might have uh, in store in the near future. Then you know that's probably the place to follow. <laughs> And folks, you can find a new episode of the 1099 here on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Uh, every week we are interviewing developers and we'll have a couple of new guests to announce here in the near, via, uh, very near future. And as always, I hope you guys are staying safe here. Uh, you know, make sure that you are taking care of each other, uh, practicing proper social distancing and all that good stuff. And we will have a new episode next week for you. All right, folks, thank you so much and take care. Thank you.